five, four, three, two. I'm just kidding. I already started. So it's Monday, June 7th. Can anybody explain to me why summer goes by so much quicker when you're an adult? I don't get it. So I'm going into this a little differently. I'm going to be honest. I've put so much pressure on each of these recordings in the past because I think as I've gotten older, I've realized that everybody's got like their side gig and they're always trying to like make an extra buck. And these are like money pits now because if you get like good at talking, you can get good at like plugging in ads, which I think is like, I don't know, to each their own if you want to take that route. But I don't think I've got that <laughs> bug. I've been listening to some or like, I'll just look, look at like snippets and I'll like barstool sports. I'll, I'll like watch some of those and I just see some of the guys talking on it and they'll show and like, there's a personality to it. And there's like a whole like, yo dude, like, <laughs> and then, so I walked in and there she was and it's, that's not what I'm doing here. Like <laughs> I'm trying to solidify the most boring rooted me and I'm trying to get away from that because I did that for so long and as I'm getting older I just see there's just so much work that I wasn't doing and just some of the basic things like so now where I'm supposed to actually like be putting work in I can't even begin to start that process because I don't even know where I'm coming from but what helps is, and it's actually like a good stressor for me to have this, is I made my Instagram public. And it's so silly that in today's day and age, that's like something to even talk about. But I made it public. And so now with some of the people that I work with, or so there's just some random noise going on in the background, but that's cool. But there's some people that I work with that they see my Instagram. And so they'll see like, okay, he's doing a podcast. That's cool. And I'm actually going to have to stop this because my Mac is running low. So I'm going to pause and then press and then get it going again. All right. Don't worry, everybody. <clears throat> <clears throat> All plugged in. We're all plugged up here. So I listened to about 30 seconds of that because I got to like time everything up again. And I've got two thoughts already. So I listened to two and a half minutes of it and I've already, my wheels are turning here. So it's fun to give in to like the, yo, what up? What's going on? And like play with your voice. I think that that's really fun, especially when you're kind of like, let's go for it. Let's see what happens. But then there's also that really fun, constructive part where you're not trying to be anybody. You're not trying to be anything. And then what's left? And then there's almost like this boiling down effect. So what I wanted to kind of go into this differently is the pressure I've been putting on this poor little microphone to be this tool to reach whoever it is that's listening and to be impactful and to like have this presence has been so out of its 
reality that I was just organizing stuff in my studio these last few days because it was the weekend. I, I've been traveling a lot, so it was nice to actually like, you know, sit down, view this new place I've put a lot of work into. And I got to tell you, I have been like pressing on some of these organization skills that I forgot I had. And I look over at the microphone and I'm like, this is an inanimate object. <laughs> like this thing is senior. This might as well be some, you know, modern piece of decor I could have gotten at like a home goods store. But I put so much pressure on this thing because of what it connects to and in the world that I live in. And I can see what happens with when people start using these things and so there was just a breath of fresh air where I hooked the microphone up today and I just thought, just just talk like you're just talking to thin air. Like it's not like you're talking into something that has this morphed, you know, I don't know. So what was really interesting to me, which should be the new title of this, is what's really interesting to me. Because that seems to be when I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, what am I going to talk about next? I think interesting. Be interesting. People like interesting. But what was really interesting to me this last weekend was due to work. So part of the territory that I cover with work, kind of an account territory manager. So I'll always reach out to people who use the products from the company that I work with. And so one of the states in that territory, being the Midwest representative for the company, is Iowa. So I had the privilege of traveling with sort of a boss, but more of, more or less just a, a key figure in the industry, and he works with the company that I work with. And I learned a lot because we had to do a road trip from Chicago to Iowa. And so because how often am I going to visit Iowa, you know, at the end of a week, going into a weekend, two years ago, my mom and I, so kind of backing up a little bit here, I did a podcast with my mom on Mother's Day and it was a good intro, you know, first time getting her to speak with me, you know, with a microphone and when I first recorded it with her, I immediately wanted to go into her upbringing in Iowa because she grew up in a small town in Iowa. She grew up farming in Iowa and now she's been, you know, in the suburbs of Illinois, but she worked in the city for close to 30 years. So just vastly different in what I saw from my mom compared to how she grew up and the environment that she grew up in. So I've never really known a lot about Iowa and the Wood family. So my mom's maiden name is Wood. But this all ties together because I go to Iowa for work and I say, hey mom, it's been a couple years since we last visited the family and the old farmland so why don't we sort of do two birds, one stone, make the best of the situation. Are you able to drive on Friday? Because I'll already be there. I was already there because of work. 
and let's spend the weekend there. Let's go visit family. So she said, absolutely. She didn't say, hell yeah, she's a Catholic woman, so she would never say that. But she said, absolutely. And so she comes out, and it was a blast. It was hot. I didn't know how we could get that hot. Hot and windy, 94 degrees out. It was really windy, no rain. I felt like I was in the scene of holes, and you can call me Stanley Yilnats because every cloud you saw was just, um, it was a tease. I got to be honest. The clouds were teasing me all weekend. But we go to Iowa. And I just want to let you know right now that right now as I kind of continue this story, I have to remind myself I'm talking to an inanimate object. There is nothing else going on right now besides me sitting still in an apartment and I'm talking into this thing. Ah, that's, that's a little bit more relaxing. So she comes and she meets me in Iowa and we start heading towards her hometown because uh, she had to pick me up about an hour west because that's where I was for work and I had to drop the rental car off. Beautiful rental car, by the way. I know Step Brothers really coined the whole Enterprise branding, but great company. Didn't have to pay for an upgrade. Got the old SUV, the Nissan Armada. That big beauty is a boat on the highway. When I was going on the highway with my, I don't know if it'd be coworker or just mentor, but the the gentleman who I traveled with, and he he kind of speaks a lot on the product that my company sells and he's got a lot of experience in the industry. So kind of that key figure, I guess would be the best way I should probably just simplify it and keep it there. So I'm with this key figure and we're in the big boat, the Nissan Armada and we're driving on I 80, which I've driven. So like any time that you press play, if you do press play, I'm just all over the, all over the board here. So I'll tie it together. I'm sure. I don't know if I'd be good at crochet because the pattern would be all over the place, but I'm sure that I'll get there. So we're on I-80. I've driven on I-80 so many times from Wyoming. I mean, probably 14 times throughout my time at Wyoming, which I'm actually going to be going back in about two weeks because they, they, the company that I work with, they're like, hey, Curtis, we know how much you love Iowa and it's amazing plains. Do you want to also visit Wyoming when you can? I said, of course. So I'll be going there too. So it's a big, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of miles, (laughs) but it's exciting. And it's always good to come back home to Chicago. But I've been on I-80. I've driven that road about 14 times. So I'm driving on I-80, and all of a sudden this key figure (laughs) looks over. I hope in your mind it's like this enigma of a person. (laughs) Like... Is he driving Will Smith from Men in Black? Like, who, who's next to him in this Armada? Damn it, there I go, having a personality on this thing when I talked about how boring I was going to be. But he looks over at the dash, and he looks at me, <laughs> and he goes, Are you doing 90? <laughs> and that's the Armada effect. The thing was smooth. I couldn't help it. But no, I was not doing 90. I'm not going to admit to speeding over the speed limit. But it was a good ride. So I 
I tell my mom I'm going to be in Iowa and I think it'd be good if she can make it to come out so we can visit family. So I wasn't expecting how the weekend had gone. And that's sort of what I'm, you know, noting down verbally. If this was a journal, this would kind of serve the same purpose. But what I'm noting down verbally of how the weekend went, because it was just, it was amazing. And there's there's a lot of rooting aspects to my life that I now have. And there's a lot of empowering aspects to my life that I now have that I didn't have before this weekend. So my mom, you know, the most, you know, beautiful soul, the most caring person, the sweetest woman I know, but she hates talking about herself. And so I've never truly known that much about my maternal genetics, my (laughs) maternal world, my mom's side of the family. And I've been out to Iowa before. There's two people that we would typically see the most of, and it was her cousin, who's a little bit older, and then her cousin's kids. So to me, my mom's cousin is a great cousin, and then her kids are second cousins. But then when you get into my mom's aunts and uncles, me and my my second cousins and I have the same connection to them. So they would be, they both would have the same great aunt and uncle. So if I had a great uncle, you know, you know, great uncle Joe, then they also have a great uncle Joe. So it's kind of interesting. And her cousin that she always sees, so her first cousin, so I'm confusing myself. So kudos to you if you're have any idea what I'm talking about. But her first cousin, who whose kids I always usually stay with, but I mean, kid, and he's forty years old. She loves looking into family, the family tree, and genealogy, and ancestry dot com, and all those things. She's actually put on like a full blown family reunion for the Wood side, and then from the Wood Hawk, which isn't H A W K, it's H A U C K. And part of the weekend was we went to a cemetery. I'm not, I can't tell you the last time I was at a cemetery, but I'm standing in front of my grandparents' tombstone and they're buried right next to each other. And it was just, I didn't know them at all. I, I remember being at my grandma's funeral when she was, when, when she was, when I was in second grade, I don't remember even comprehending what had been going on. I don't know if that's being behind for a second grader. If second graders should comprehend that, I don't know. I don't know if that's a a fair test. But as far as my grandpa, he passed away before, I think I, what did it say? I think it was, yeah, I mean, I I don't remember him at all. So I'm, I'm standing there and I'm just looking down at this tombstone like, this is half of who I am because my mom, being the woman that she is, always caring about other people, doesn't talk about herself, has never really opened that house, has never opened that door to the hallway of this side of my family. And then these these two people here who passed away are the next closest thing to me understanding that. So I'm, I'm standing in the cemetery like, this is wild. But what an opportunity. What an opportunity to start 
asking as many questions as I can in the limited time that I have. And that's what I did. And I annoyed the hell out of everybody, but it's fine because I was curious about it all, whether it was about the family or whether it was about farm life and all the things to look into and all the techniques and practices that go into farming. It's no joke. I had a lot of zingers. I'm not going to lie. I was sort of the, uh, the one liner and all the meals we had and they love drinking milk. I used to drink milk all the time, but I don't anymore because I am insecure. And so, <laughs> and so I do all I can to trim as much as I can. Dairy does not uh, act as a conducive dieting food choice option, dietary selection. But they love milk. In fact, they love milk so much that when we would set dinner and they would get all the glasses ready for everyone drinking, they made my mom and I feel like such losers because they they didn't just like not pour a glass of milk for us while everybody has these like golden white glasses of milk around the table. But they skip over the glass and he goes, oh, yeah, you and your mom just drink water with dinner. And I'm like what like <laughs> why is that like uh are you from are you looking down on me for drinking water but i'm at the cemetery and i'm looking at this tombstone wood and the reason we were there was my this is just the, here's what's crazy about it in in this small iowa town everybody knows everybody and I, I don't like I I've heard people say that so many times in the past and I'm telling you it's cliche to hear even me say it right now but it's there's no joke and you have to respect the fact that they are so intertwined and they are living the life like if you don't think there's a balance in the world of like being in a city where you don't really pay attention to most people, you kind of look down on the sidewalk and then all the drama that you experience is like in the palm of your hand. Like that's where you get your drama. Okay. So let's say there's a balance in life where you have to sustain this level of like intensity. They don't have all that, but the stories they can tell about how all these families and, and the intertwining and the generations and all, you know, the, it's like the local farm uh, uh, supplier of John Deere got his you know lawnmower stolen by the high school kids and those high school kids got in trouble and then the, it's like it all balances out to where just hearing their day to day and just being there to to learn about what their life is like you respect it I'm not here to like exploit the genuine stories that were told to me but as I'm sitting there and everything is just this calm, this peace, there's still drama. Life is dramatic. But I guess if you want to get into like a philosophical thing, how do you handle that? And so I don't know if you want to look at that as neither here nor there. But we're at the cemetery and I, I build that whole dramatic thing because the things that would pop up and into why like cause and effect happen the way it did. We were at the cemetery because there was this big uh, morgue or this big, um, might have been a place where they sold caskets. They found this warehouse that they hadn't been in in years, and they found all these old army plates that were never put on tombstones. So they had to reach out to all these people that they found these, un, excuse me, they found these un, 
fastened army plates and my grandpa was in the army pf pcf pfc i asked what it was private private something but he was in the army and it was never put on his tombstone so we went there to see would it look good leaning up against it would it look good being screwed into the tombstone would it be better if we got a smaller one so it wasn't like we went to the cemetery because it was like oh carol and curtis are in town let's Let's go and, you know, give them the tour of Iowa where they can see their, you know, Carol can, you know, stop by cemetery, you know, give her respects to her parents. Curtis can see his grandparents. It was like, hey, Carol, uh, the local cemetery place, you know, found these plates. We got to go do this. And then we leave that and then we go to this property that um, my mom's cousin husband. So, like, another thing that happens out there is if you farm all this land and you start to see like properties that come up for sale, like little egg. Cause there's the farmland and then there's the property that the farmhouse is actually built on. So there's actually kind of two entities with all this farmland. So you can sell the land that the house is on in the shed and you know, the, the, the silos, the, the grain bins, you can sell that land and still maintain the farmland around. So that was one of the, that was a piece of land that, uh, my second cousin's dad. Okay. So I'm going to kind of take a little different angles out here. So I'm, I got to reel this in a little bit because I do want to make sure I'm like presenting like a sequential couple days to the weekend. So I want to kind of hit what's important because I don't know if I'm going to stay in tune with it. And I have no agenda in telling these stories other than just getting out what is important to me. My nose is massive. I know that. And for the first time I'm in Iowa and I'm learning about my, my lineage and I'm looking around to my relatives and I'm like, I got a wood nose. I've got a, damn it. I've got a wood nose these are my people and i've never been so proud to have a big ass nose so that was just one thing i was like this is amazing because all my life it was never really like on the forefront but i had that like vain view on like how i really look and there were times where you know head on you know you know we all like time in the mirror I'll look at myself and then, you know, let's say someone captures a picture of me on the side profile. I'm like, wow, my nose is that big. And for the first time, I'm like, you're damn right it's that big. Because <laughs> if I didn't have the nose that I have, I wouldn't be able to find my people so easily. So it's just some, I don't know, call it silly or whatever. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that it took 26 years and it took me to just finally be vulnerable around my family, which I don't know why I wasn't when I visited them two years ago to be proud of my old, uh, my old beak. It gives me the nasally voice too. That's the other thing. I've got to be proud of that. If I didn't have my nose, I probably wouldn't be able to talk so deep. (laughs) That's not an effect. That's just me trying too hard. But it was a good weekend. I went golfing in Iowa. So now I'm just kind of having fun with this now. See, that's the thing is when you create habits, 
a habit for me is that every time I'm talking for a long period of time, I have to create so much substance in it that it's like, if I don't provide some life lesson or some deep philosophical thought, then I have wasted the beautiful gift of talking. Nobody cares. <laughs> so, well, somebody cares. I can't say that. I can't back out of like, I care. But even in two minutes ago, I felt that, you know, mundane kind of, I've got to sound like this is going somewhere. Because if it's not going somewhere, then nobody will listen. But I just think that being proud of where I came from is something that I, for whatever reason, haven't had my entire life. And I don't know why that is, but I listen to everybody's stories. I hear just how much passion there is to know where we all came from. And I pursue it from like, I've always pursued it from this like cellular, like the big bang. And, and then, and then there were, you know, creatures and then, and it's like, why don't you start at grandma? Why don't you start at grandpa? Why don't you, you know, here's, why don't you, great grandma? Why don't you see if you can go that far? I found out that the wood lineage, so my mom's family, came over in 1865. So all you little, you know, well, my grandparents came. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm more American than you. I'm, no, I'm. <laughs> 26 I heard that I'm like all right okay so there's some years behind us good for us here we go and I also found out that my grandpa came from a family of seven siblings seven siblings and they all farmed everybody farmed farming okay something I wanted to get down on this Get down, get down. <laughs> I wanted to get down on this recording was all the crazy information I learned about farming. It's not simple, people. In fact, one of these zingers that I was talking so highly about was at dinner, I kind of boasted my memory because two years ago, I went to Iowa too and I remember, oh, it was embarrassing. So... Two, no, it wasn't two years ago. It was like, I, it got, it was the summer, it was 2017. It was the summer of 2017. So it was a while. And I get there and I was just so out of touch. I thought like, I'm in Iowa. These are farmers. This is what we do. I had them give me overalls and we had to go to the shed and fill it with gravel because these sheds are just kind of placed on top of dirt. Okay. So when the dirt starts to a road away, you're going to have little critters come in and it's going to start having a draft. So you have to refill it with gravel. So my dumbass is wearing overalls as they're filling it with gravel on my hands and knees going around the walls of this shed, like making sure every nook and cranny is filled with gravel. 
And meanwhile, my second cousin's wife is holding the shovel, just letting me have fun, knowing full and well her tool will work just as fine. But I just wanted to get dirty for no reason. Get dirty in a truck. So I didn't do that this time. And I just looked at it for the hard work and just the almost technology that goes into it now. I mean, I, I went into it thinking, and I know Max loves when I say this, so hopefully we'll have a recording together pretty soon here. I know he's been in Florida, but it's 2021. I'm talking to a farmer in 2021 who is using machinery that has borderline Tesla technology to follow the, the lines of seed corn, corn, beans, whatever's being planted to not only seed the ground, fertilize, you know, spray with herbicide, but then also harvest the ground. I mean, this is, this isn't some person walking up and down rows of corn and picking out weeds. I mean, this is advanced farming. And one of the things that I asked him two years ago and I asked him again was you look at things like a combine, so those just massive pieces of machinery. He said high-end combines, $700,000 for a combine, okay? This is not a jacked-up semi that they put some weird contraption on the front and it can just happen to roll over corn stock. That is <laughs> nearly a million-dollar machine. All these farmers need that machinery to do what they do. It's the business they run. And just to learn about when you're planting certain crops, you have to put this many female seeds, and then you have to wait to plant the male seed because the male crop is going to grow faster. And if your neighbor is planting a certain crop, you have to make sure that there's a minimum of 320 to 360 feet between their last planted seed and your next seed that won't cross-pollinate. So you have to put a buffer crop at least 360 feet from their, 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 I say, I say their and fur for their and for, sidetrack, but all of that goes into just the efficiency of this farming. When we first drove there, one thing that I loved seeing when I was driving through Wyoming or driving from Wyoming is when you hit I-80 and you're coming up, you pass like where Des Moines would be. I don't think you ever have to, on I-80, I don't think you ever have to go south enough to get to Des Moines. I think you just go... No, you do, because Omaha was always ha halfway from uh, Wyoming to Chicago, and then Des Moines was always like, okay, now here we go. We're making some progress. Whenever I drove that, I would always get to that area at night, and when you're driving Iowa, they've gone up a lot in those windmills, so almost like these wind farms, and you see this sea of blinking red, and I thought it was the cool thing, the coolest thing, because it's just so off in the distance and there's really nothing else that had popped up, you know, at that point. I mean, it's just, 
I-80. There's not much going on. So you see all these, these red blinking lights. Well, I rarely have seen that during the day. So from Des Moines to the small town in Iowa where my mom grew up, we see these these um, these huge windmills. So when we first get there on Friday night, and I'm not I'm not saying this to be like, okay, so now let's get in a sequential order. We're far past that, but this is just something that I remember. I asked them about the windmill because I know that the government will actually pay farmers a certain uh, a certain amount to be like, hey, let's plant, uh, let's let's construct one on your land, kind of like um, in the South they'll do like the oil rigs. So anyway. I probably just drew that out much longer than I needed to. But what I learned was it's a crap deal because they only get like $5,000 per windmill each year because this is, I mean, these are things that, you know, farmers have to look into because any sources of revenue on their land is going to be, you know, worth looking into. And the saddest part about it is that once the windmill is out of use and it, it goes through its life, because the blades are made of fiberglass, the only thing they can do with them is put them in a landfill. And I haven't looked it up yet, but they had said there are, and I think they li- they actually mentioned a town in Iowa just north. There are actually designated landfills where there's just this almost like windmill fan, windmill blade graveyard. And they're just going to sit there. And so you see this like amazing green initiative and this is not a political stance. Please hear me. This is not a political stance, but you see the promise of like renewable energy. And then you hear something like that. And it's just, I just made me think like, okay, well, where's the, where do you make the ground up? Cause I'm, listen, I did a project in middle school on the ring of fire, which is the geothermal ring of um, I think it's just geothermal heat. So it's these underground volcanoes. Uh, it's like on the coast of California. And in, in, uh, for my project, I was really into making songs up in middle school. So I made this song to ring a fire by Johnny cash. And then my science teacher liked it so much that she had me go and perform it to all the other sixth grade classes. But the reason I bring that up is because when I learned about that, I thought renewable energy was amazing. And to hear now that there's like this disposal, the disposal process that's in place for these big windmills was just kind of disheartening. But I'm not an activist. It's just my own little personal opinion here. I just thought that it was interesting. And the other thing is I've seen those blades on I-80 when they have to transport them and they're just massive. They are. I don't think anybody realizes how big those are until they're actually like on ground level. But it was a good weekend. The more that I get half approval and the more that I sort of piece together all of these, you know, stories of my upbringing, you know, the people that, uh, you know, I guess if you want to go into lineage, the you know, and, and back to approval, the more I'm excited to talk about, but this is this is not my place to, you know, divulge any information that I don't have permission to go into. And I'm not here to be entertaining at the sake of, you know, someone else's clarity, right? There's the safe word. 
So I'm excited to kind of get into a little bit more of, you know, all that was kind of learned and, and discovered during the Iowa trip. Those were just kind of the, the surface little tidbits of, you know, just generic, you know, Iowa lifestyle and, and some and some of the things that go along with farming and, you know, just the, the lineage of my mom. But just amazing people. Small town. The town's only 5,000. Just so tiny. And to think of who my mom is now, that she came from a town of 5,000. That was the weirdest thing, is to finally ask questions that kind of piece together just exactly where my mom grew up and just exactly how it was when she was growing up there. And then to see all that she has done now, it just really went, it just really showed me that whenever I think I know someone's story, my mom, I don't know. I have to ask questions. I have to learn more. But at first, not at first, but the first thing, without a doubt, is I have to know myself more to know where those questions are being asked from. Because one of the things that helped me the most when I was asking, whether it was my second cousin, who's actually helping farm right now, and he has land of his own, or it was my mom's cousin who's doing all the lineage and who tracks everything down and who, you know, learns about, you know, when we came to America and all these things. Asking questions from a place of just, okay, so this is what I know. (laughs) I'm Curtis. (laughs) I grew up in Chicago land area. (laughs) I'm not going to say Chicago. I didn't grow up in the city. And my mom doesn't really tell much because she's always cared about everyone else. So with those two things, I need to know what I'm missing. And I'm finally old enough to kind of piece some things together and comprehend You know, the biggest thing that I walked away with, besides the fact that I love having a big nose now, is I'm young. I'm so young. And I think nowadays, careers that we get put into, it's demanded that we have this business professionalism, this level of high class, this level of presentation. And I think that's great. It's challenging. It's inspiring to know that my hard work is contributing to the success of a team, a company, and the fact that I'm working with a company that provides a, a product that when I speak with a, when I speak with dentists to provide what my company sells to patients and whatever, you know, anyone else that they choose to use to, to help their patients, the, the response they get, the improvement in the quality of life. I mean, that, that's something I found kind of pops up for people. And I've just heard, you know, 
40 year olds, 50 year olds when they had, they had a career for about 10 to 15 years. And then they got to a point where they just say it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't something that I felt like I was really contributing. So to have that opportunity at 26 is pretty incredible too, because no matter what type of day is in store to have that at the root is always really nice. And I say that because I'm, I don't want to have the perspective of I'm young, like (laughs) I'm like a little career baby. Like I'm just getting started here. And I think that in a healthy amount, you can take pressure. Like I can take pressure off myself because I've got so much to learn. And if I do mess up, I should take it seriously, but I should know that in 10, in, in five years, in two years from now, I'm going to be vastly more knowledgeable than I already am, vastly more confident in any situation that maybe I'm not right now. And it's just going to keep building and building and building. And so I think that kind of surfaced for me because when I was around, you know, when I was in Iowa and I I asked my second cousin, I said, all right, so, you know, just thinking business wise, because in, in business, at least for the company that I work with, it's, you've always got to be ahead. You've always got to think of what's coming next. And so I asked, so, so farming, what's the next thing in farming? What's the next, where is farming heading in 10 years? Is it going to be more non GMO? Is it going to be, you know, and they, they have looked into things like, um, creating like water tanks to farm fish, but right away an issue that could pop up if you lose power okay now all that money that you invested into farming fish goes and you list you lost your whole you know quote-unquote crop which is the fish you were farming and then his mom my mom's cousin said you know they always say you've got to kill about a million fish to get good at it and jokes aside but it's just in the world of farming you there's got to be a lot of crops that don't go as planned and you have to cut your losses and just continue to learn, you know, why and, and maybe change the timing of things and maybe change, you know, whatever. And, and so the zinger is the third time I'm bringing it up. The zinger was if there's one thing I learned from being here two years ago was if you think you can one day wake up and become a farmer you should realize that you'll never have a shot against the people who were born into farming because there's that much detail. There's that many fine little tips and tricks and, and just the, the way you have to go about things and the way you have to think about things that just opening a book and how to farm is pretty far fetched. And to anybody who can do that, great for you. That's amazing. But just driving around and seeing the land and just seeing all the little things that, you know, he can pick up on and, and just whether it's the shade of a leaf or the height of, of a crop, which I mean, that one I was starting to get, you know, if someone had planted about two weeks earlier then you know, they're, they're running the risk of if you plant earlier than you run the risk of the crop getting um, frost because it's technically still there, you know, you, there are still some chilly days. So you might actually kill your crop because it's not warm enough. If you plant too late, now they're not going to be 
kind of in their full bloom, their prime harvesting condition when, you know, comes uh, September, October. And then when you start to harvest four to six weeks straight of harvesting, just sitting in the combine, just taking it to, to market, putting it in the grain bins, filling up the semis. It's just a massive operation. But it was a great weekend. I was very grounded. I was very rooted. No pun intended. Go to a farm, get rooted. And I'm just proud to be a Sternman, proud to be a Wood, proud, <laughs> proud to be just who I am. And I get back to Chicago and it's just busy traffic getting back to the apartment on Sunday night. And there's just this new perspective of, okay, so that's pretty neat. If things ever get a little too crazy in the summer and it works out with work, I can go and hang out on the farm. I can go learn a little something or two. So I'm really sorry if someone's listening to this and they were hoping to be entertained or they were hoping to have some insightful message given to them because I just, I like using this microphone as a tool to lock in perspectives that I feel help me grow. And that's selfish. And I'm not sitting here being a personality that I think is going to get you through your day. I'm not, you know, putting on. But this is just one recording. There are going to be many more to come. And I like having one being weekly. But if I have these thoughts going on in my head and I don't take the time to just sift them out, to just drain them out and to make sure that I don't forget them, then what good am I anyway if I can't be kind of of clear head and clear mind? So farm days... You know, kind of a little mini vacation on a weekend there. But just, I guess if I had to tell myself something, or if anybody is listening and I'm talking to this inanimate object, I guess you just have to, you, you really have to push on those moments where you just, they're uncomfortable and you think it might not be worth it, and you might as well just go back into what's comfortable. But the more that you can find that that fine line between pushing on what's uncomfortable but not being reckless is where there's no looking back, and there's no doubt that the decisions being made are the best decisions, or, or the decisions that are in your best interest. And so 
as the Monday of June 7th comes to a close for me and I get ready for bed and I get ready for another big week and I'm excited to run on, you know, run by the lake tomorrow because I've been talking about it for so long and here we go, you know, I, I wanted to do it and now I'm doing it and enjoying the little things. I guess I just hope that whatever feeling you have listening and whatever thoughts come up in your head as you listen to me, just consider the fact that what you're feeling might be whatever I'm feeling, but in your version. And if you get something out of that, that's awesome. Because what's all this for anyway? I'm just expelling air and putting vibrations in it. So if you if you just connect with that, then that's just... I'm giving you two thumbs up over here. So, good night. Thank you. And I'm going to Google how to close these. Bye.